Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello and welcome to episode 82 of the world's first Paul Weller fan podcast. I'm Dan Jennings, and 10 years ago, I gave up my live streaming career as a radio presenter with one big regret, never getting to interview my hero, the legendary British musician, Paul Weller. This podcast exists purely to solve that issue. Welcome to Desperately Seeking Paul. In this episode, I'm joined by one of the greatest soul music talents the UK has produced in the last 35 years. My guest is Omar Lifouk, MBE. Considered a musical prodigy as a kid, he's a true original with an unforgettable voice. We hear about his musical DNA, joining the Style Council on tour in 1989 and working on his upcoming new LP with Paul Weller. He's an outstanding musician and a huge songwriting talent, so you're going to love this one. Let's get into it. Omar, thanks for joining me. My pleasure. I'm so looking forward to chatting to you, I have to say, not least because of your amazing career, but also there are some really recent links to Paul Weller that I can't wait to get into because there's not an awful lot of information out there aside from the odd Instagram <laughs> post from yourself. So this could be an right. improper exclusive. We'll see how much I can extract from that. <laughs> <No. Okay. laughs> um, now, first of all, let's go back to the beginning. Obviously, this is a Paul Weller fan podcast, so we'll kick off with that. But when was it you first became aware of the music of Mr. Weller? Uh, it would definitely be the jam because I would have been in primary school, I think. I think when I would have first heard, you know, that's entertainment and you know all songs, yeah, all the all the hit Eaton Rifles, all that kind of stuff. That was the first time I was aware of him. But uh, to actually get to work with him was when I was eighteen, I believe, and he was. Uh, about to go on tour in Japan and his bass player Camille Hines was doing some kind of seminar or something and then I did my uh, beatbox acapella thing he said oh Paul would love to hear that and I went and sort of like did it for him he said yeah yeah come on come on tour and, uh, so we, we <laughs> I didn't know about tour. the beatboxing so was this something yeah. you've done for a long time I mean there's there's pretty much every single instrument you can play and we'll talk about that in a sec but I didn't know yeah. about the beatboxing <laughs> 
Yeah, no, I wouldn't say beatbox. It was more per capella. Per capella is, is what they call it. I got it from Bobby McFerrin, basically. Okay. There was it used to be a, a chocolate ad. Which I used to I used to mimic that. And then from that, I made up my own thing as well. But it's totally, you know, it's totally influenced by him. And yeah, that was the thing I showcased for him. And then, uh, yeah, we went on tour of Japan in 1989 with the Star Council. I was playing percussion and doing vocals as well, which ended up at the Royal Albert Hall. Exciting, yeah. We'll talk about that in a sec, because that was towards the end of the Style Council and a and quite controversial gig at the Royal Albert Hall. We'll talk about that in a sec. So let's talk about musical talent, because musical talent really runs deep in, in your DNA, doesn't it? And in terms of your family tree, my God, there's, mm. there's, there's a wealth of talent there, isn't there? My grandfather plays uh, sax on my mother's side, and my dad is a drummer. He played with the Doris Troy, uh, Horace Andy, Marty and Griffiths, uh, people like that. He started his own record label for his band called Jai Lion, which is a reggae band as well and then had my brothers on there with a band called Burning Bush which was a lot like a musical youth so I was there my sister's a singer my brother is a, a, a Grammy award winning uh, producer as well with uh, the Marley Boys as well so yeah it's it's all been there around and it, us and this thing for you kicks off at like a really young age didn't it I mean the first single you were like what 16 but before that 16. you were I mean you can play every instrument under the sun can't you no 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 I used to, I used to play I used to have a go at everything that I that, you know, somebody put in my hand, so I would have a crack at it. So I played, you know, I started off playing the, the cornet and then went to the euphonium, then the baritone euphonium, then the tuba. And in the meantime, I was playing the guitar, I was playing the piano, I was playing drums. In fact, I started on drums and then I ended up playing percussion in a youth orchestra, playing tuba in a, in a, a brass quintet, playing percussion in a percussion ensemble. I studied at Cheatham School of Music as well before going on to the Guild Hall as well. So yeah, I've just, I, I've had a crack at everything. But now I just say it's bass, drums and keys. I read something that at one point you didn't like your voice at all. You, you didn't consider yourself a great... <laughs> yeah, I, 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 there's certain times I don't... I, I don't like it right now. Yeah, you know, I, I don't, you know, I'm a, I, I'll have a crack at something. I'm a vibes man, is what I always tell people. I'm not saying I'm the world's greatest singer or anything like that. I know I have my tone and I know I have my place, in, you know, and things like that. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't put myself up against other singers. That's just, that's just suicide. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I, I just stick to the very uh, safe narrative is that I'm the vibes man I'm very good at that very good at that <laughs> <laughs> now let's talk about you mentioned the style council on going to Japan so at that point you'd only had one single out as a very young man Mr. Postman but Paul didn't bring yep. you on it wasn't like your big smash hit single or anything like that it was so what were you on board to do exactly no it was previous to that actually uh, before the uh, there's something like this and I'd had what's this 89 so I would have had three or four singles out because I had five singles out before there's nothing like this so I had a little bit of a track record but um, yeah because I did the the, the percussion thing and then I told him that I played percussion that's what they brought me on board to do. and plus I was singing too so it's percussion and singing and it was uh, that was my first professional gig and it was such a joy you know because you got your own percussion tech so you don't have to set anything up you just got somebody there that's doing that for you nice two week we paid a rehearsal thing you know nice trip to Japan which was my first time as well so it was um, uh, a lot of benefits so I've got a lot to I've got a lot to owe to Paul for sure yeah yeah, and, and an amazing lineup, really you really th- I mean a really interesting one because this Paul was mm. really into house music at the time so this wasn't like they were touring a Greatest Hits album there were none of the songs you'd really know and love were it there it was two, two hours of music that nobody knew what it was could kind of see it on the audience's face like 
they were like all excited and all of a sudden they're kind of well, what, what's this <laughs> sort of thing. but that was the period that was the period that he was going through you know um, he likes to experiment people like I say I mean Jack O'Peak who's back in the band now uh, was on tour we do there Marco Nelson Dr. Yes. Robert was part of the band yeah. playing bass and, yeah. and other things and Kamel Hines but there's this bit I've seen the set list and there's a bit where halfway through all it says is Omar song and it doesn't <laughs> so I'm like, what was the I song think, I think that is the the uh, the you know my acapella thing oh is that that's what I did I think I, I think that's what it is I mean geez this is 30, 33 years ago yeah. <laughs> the memory banks aren't that full uh, again but I think that's that's what it would have been so that was so that was so. What is this? So, 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 talk me through how, what this is then. So you're banging your chest. You're... So you just bang your chest. You're down, 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 and people go crazy for that shit. So uh, <laughs> I, I just, I did a couple of songs um, doing it, but it's totally Bobby McFerrin influence. I would never take the credit for that. And even there's a little bit of Biz Marquee at, at the end with that. As well, when you tap the throat, so yeah, just a little show showstopper. <laughs> love it, love it. That's brilliant. Okay, so then, um, and then very soon after, your first album comes out, which contains the track, the song that that changed everything. There's nothing like this you mentioned earlier. I mean, did you know that was something special from day one? Uh, yeah, no, not to be big headed about it, but yes, I did uh, because what I used to do back then, I made a cassette of this when I demoed the song. I made a one sided cassette. Boys and girls, you, you have to Google that now, don't you? Um, for, so it's 45 minutes of the same song, just repeated over and over again. I was like, kind of, this sounds all right. And then I played it to my dad and the record label guy. It was like, listening to this song over and over again. Didn't get bored of it. And just kind of like, this. I think this is the one. And it was like the last song as well, because I'd been releasing singles up until that point. And then my dad was like, no, I think we need to make an album because we've got enough tracks. We should do that. But we didn't really have like a, the clincher. And then that was the last song that I wrote. From the demo, it made an impression. And then from then, you know, the rest is history. I mean, he went to number 54 without any video, without any TV, without any uh, promotional campaign, as it were. It was purely the, the pirate stations and clubs and, you know, all the clubs playing it, basically. So uh, I knew, knew it was going to be something big. And initially it was released in your dad's label, but then Talking Loud yeah. picked it up. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. The year after, because it was 1990 on my dad's label. Giles and Norman Jay came out of meeting when my dad said that that's the kind of thing that Talking Loud was doing. So I was on the stable with, you know, young, young disciples, Galliano, Incognito. We all thought alike, you know, we liked our, 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 our old school soul music, but we were trying to recreate that vibe, basically. And I think that's where they came up with the term acid jazz from, which now they call it neo, neo soul or neoclassic soul. And we're talking about genres, actually, because I, th- I see often that people try to pigeonhole you as a you know, a soul singer or neo-soul and things. But it seems to me, you, I mean, there's classical in some of your music. It, you cross so many different boundaries. And I think that's re- that was really exciting. So we'll talk about that in a sec. But it, it's interesting talking about, like, you mentioned Galliano. So Mick Talbot, the style council's in Galliano, wasn't he? And then, that's right. Uh, that's right. And he's yeah, in style. Yeah. yeah. And then Young Disciples, um, Carleen Anderson, who went on to work with Paul and yourself. There's a beautiful and Marco duet. Nelson. Yeah, Marco Nelson. So there's all these little connections. But there's also another connection uh, of Bert Bevan. So, am I right in thinking Bert Bevan's mixed the album? Is that right? Bert Bevan's. Hold on. Did, did, did you not know mix your album? Pro, pro, 
Possibly, he, he might have. Yeah, that's really gone back into the ether. That is. Uh, was I there? I can't remember. I remember mixing the first one. Maybe it was Burt Bevan. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. He, and he went on to like remix Long Hot Summer, or he had before that Long Hot Summer and Money Go Round and, and Soul Deep right. and, and built the original Ministry of Sound Club in London as well. So I thought there was a little connection there. That I oh, wow. Well, but, that is a big connection. Yeah. Yeah. But actually, on the follow up album, some music comes out a couple of years later, which is you mm. really maturing as a composer an arranger, a vocalist, even though, like you say, you're not sure, but, but the rest of us are, <laughs> thank goodness. Yeah. But there's this lovely duet with you and Carleen Anderson, who again is working with Paul at that time as well. So were you aware of these Weller connections happening with these people you were working with or not really? Yeah, we, we, we all kind of like, you know, we all hung out together. We, you know, it was that kind of vibe at the time. I mean, that was written between myself, Carleen and Max Beasley, who played with Weller as well. And he was playing with Jamiroquai, uh, Incognito, at the same time. So we all kind of hung out together. You know what I mean? Or we were in the same place. I remember I used to get drum lessons when I was seven years old. And I remember that it was in a in a rehearsal room for a band. And I could always remember the smell of fried eggs. I think to this day, this is why I love fried eggs. But um <laughs> so I, but, and it turned out to be underneath a calf, and then it turned out to be incognito's rehearsal room as well so you know what i mean it's a small world i wouldn't want to paint it but it is a small world oh that's something i love the fact that you all hang out because yeah you, max obviously now is a huge hollywood actor but was part of the yeah. paul weller movement and, and he worked with you on quite a few of your albums didn't he yeah he did he's played um percussion and uh, and I've, I've done stuff for him and he's incidentally on this latest one too because he was over here for a, a brief period um doing a show so while he was there i, I went to weller's um black barn studio and lay down a few tracks and he's come on and played drums percussion and that is his particular flavor to it nice, so yeah nice. to this day we're, we're still working together, together nice nice well we should talk about this because um, i saw this on your instagram your ninth studio album and there are other mm. albums with other people as well and kind of things around this as well but your ninth solo yeah. studio album and there you were at black barn and i think as far back as was it was it april last year or maybe a bit before that <laughs> You know, you know better than me. <laughs> I'm basically stalking you. But there was this yeah. wonderful post where we were like, we're working on music that's going to make you want to buy a Parker and a Vespa. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. Yeah, there's uh, there's one particular tune uh, that basically he sent me the chords to this thing, and straight away I had it in my head what the beat was supposed to be, and and then I sent the I I, I basically played to a record company guy, I know Greg Borman, and that's that's his quote basically. He goes, "I want to buy a Parker and a, and a Vespa <laughs> because it just takes you back." Because I just want to kind of to kind of recreate that that vibe. I mean, it's not exactly jam. It's not you know, it's not style council, but it's definitely Weller. The way we fit on it together is perfect as well. So I can't see anything other than a than a hit. Out of it, I've got to say, love it, sure. love it. And is it the whole now, album is being made at Black Barn Studios or bits? No, well, I I did I have recorded and mixed quite a bit of it there. Yeah, I mean, he's done me such a solid. Let me use this. I mean, that's his personal studio. You know what I mean? And that's uh, you know more grateful I couldn't be to do it there. Uh, it's not all completely because I've got my own studio in South London called Backyard Studio in, in Fort Eve. I did a, a large majority of the, the mix in there and I'm just about to finish off the last couple of tracks but um, yeah it's definitely got that black barn edge to it okay okay well we'll come back to that because there are I mean a list of people that you've worked with are kind of you know people queuing up to work with you people mm. like you know Karen Wheeler again there's another Weller connection there with the Jabaka and the Jam I think um, Erica Badu the late great Leon Ware uh, Stevie Wonder mm. there's this wonderful quote Stevie Wonder saying when I grow up I want to be like Omar which I love right. 
<laughs> yeah. You clearly love working and bouncing off other people and collaborating. I can be quite insular and do, I mean, you know, there's nothing better than working by myself, but there's also nothing better than like bouncing off of other people as well to get that vibe. It's like working, you know, having a band, I think. And, and I mean a band in the traditional sense. I'm sure we're talking the same way. I fucking hate it when they talk about boy bands. You know, this manufactured pop thing, which is not a band. A band is a group of guys that play together, play, sing, eat, sleep, shit together. You know what I mean? That, that's a band. And yeah, you know, I just know the right time to when I, when I need to bounce off someone or if I just need to do this myself. You know what I mean? Because I can get more work done that way as well. I mean, you know, I work a lot with my brother, but we have our we have brother temperaments. You know what I mean? So one more, it's all love, and the next minute I want to rip his head off. But it all goes in. It, but it all goes into the music. You know what I mean? That's that, that's all. That's what music's for. It's about expressing yourself. So when you get these situations, you, you should yeah. um, use them. And how do you approach making an album? Making a new album? What comes first? I don't even think about that. It's an album. I mean, this stuff. It's always ongoing. You're always making stuff. Uh, like stuff I've, I've done with my brother. With the last album, the first track on the album is called Vicky's Tune. Oh, man. When I mentioned about a genre, that, you, like your classical roots really come through beautifully on that track. Is that, was that coming out of you or your brother, a bit, a bit of both of you? No, that, that track is all me. That is all me. Uh, why it's called Vicky's Tune? Because uh, she's the mother of my girls. And I remember playing her the, the, in the bare bones idea of track. She was like, oh, she really loved that. I mean, you know, everything just comes into that track um, in that way. But... I started writing that in 2003. Didn't use it until 2017. And that's how a lot of the tracks work. Because I think it's like a, a puzzle that you have to put together or you're telling a story. So I to have a beginning, middle, and end. And it's like a, a, an arc where everything, you know, you, everything makes sense. So it's like, you know, that track goes there and that one goes there. And, you know, you start putting the things together. And then by the time you finish, you've got an album, basically. So like this album, which is n- number nine, there's tracks on there which I started 2007, 2008 as well. They're just waiting for the right time to be used. You know, it's like you get, you get some wine as well. You stick it in the cellar and you leave it until it's the right time to drink it. That's how I look at it. Nice. And where are these all in, just in your head? Have you got a notebook that you're writing stuff down? Are they in the computer or on a hard drive that you hope doesn't crash? How's it working? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, the various forms. I mean, I have the audio note on... You've got an iPhone? Yeah, yeah, on your iPhone. Yeah, yeah. so a, a lot of the time, if I've got that idea and I just don't want to lose it, I stick it down and put it there, you know what I mean? And make sure that I've captured it because a lot of the time, if you don't capture it, then it's gone, <laughs> gone into the air. So that's the that's the kind of the basic way I work. And have you ever fallen out of love with the music? Because you took a break from music for a little bit, but I think that was more to drive the acting side of your career. Never taking a break. Never no. taking a break. Just got, I mean, one album took me seven years to finish, basically, but but I had to be touring, you know, I got bills to pay as well. <laughs> and you know, not every time you know, when you, you're creating it, it's, it's going to come out. So incidentally, with the acting, Thing. I've just got a couple of parts actually. Um, one's on an ITV drama, but anyway, Brilliant. Um, Brilliant. yeah, no, it's all it's always ongoing, you know. It's it's funny, yeah, when people don't see it, they think, oh, nothing's happening, but I'm just working all the time, you know what I mean, and keeping it going, especially with the lockdowns and everything that happened. I lost a lot of shows after that. I, I, I was supposed to tour Brazil, I was supposed to tour America, Italy, France, Germany, Greece, all just went up in flames. So I had to think of another way of uh, occupying myself and not going crazy. So I bought a couple of GoPro cameras, stuck them in the studio, some, 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 some lights, and then started doing live streams. And that seemed to resonate with people and saying that, you know, it was kind of a way for them to like, lose themselves by just watching what I was doing. 
as well. So yeah, that was um, yeah, that was therapeutic for me too. Yeah, I remember reading um, Steve Craddock saying when he, when he heard about the first lockdown, and the first person he thought about was Paul Weller. Um, Christ, what's he going to do? Because he was he's been out on the road for like thirty years, forty years, or whatever. <laughs> and I think the similar. Yeah. You've always been touring, haven't you? You've always been performing. Always been touring and always performing. But I think um, Weller was fine. I mean, if <laughs> you see Black Barn, you, you you know that that's I'd be happy to hang out there for the friggin' two years. You know what I mean? And that's that's the studio, and you know what I mean. That's a, that's the studio. So yeah, it's it's how people dealt with it basically, and it was been very hard for a lot of people to get through. And I've just been blessed, and I always do this, give thanks whoever's controlling this shit because it's not me but there's somebody out there is looking out for me and uh, you know I'm very grateful for that I read somewhere that you'd said the best bit of advice you'd ever had came from Paul Weller <laughs> I can't tell you what that is <laughs> I really cannot tell you what that is not even off the record I can can't you, let that one out there. can you tell me when it was roughly this would have been yeah, this is a while ago so maybe where, where, where are we now? 22 is before the girls. Maybe 20 years ago. Maybe 25 years ago. It, okay. It's a while back. But um, <laughs> I'm stuck to that. Where did you hear that? <laughs> <laughs> I see. I, I wondered if it was because you've both got twins. So I thought it might have been more recently. And no, no, no. That. Although his came later than yours, I think, didn't he? But yeah. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> no idea, no idea. Much as much as I'm going to say. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, yeah, we should yeah. also talk about um, your MBE as well, because, I mean, sure. Christ, that's that's pretty exciting. So this is um, 10 years ago now. Yeah, yeah. 20, oh, yeah, it is 20, 10 years ago. Got a letter from you know, the Prime Minister saying, I wanted if you, you know, you want to accept this award. I was like, hell yeah, because I don't really get any war, you know, you don't see me, you don't see me the Brits or the Mercury's or anything like that, you know. So to get some kind of award for for my efforts is uh, quite a big thing. I've just recently got a fellowship as well from my, my old college. Oh, amazing! Um, yeah, so I got some more letters after my name. So, uh, <laughs> so what's the full letters now? What are the full letters? <laughs> so it says MBEFGS oh. Fellow of the Guildhall School. So um, yeah, I'm I'm pretty proud of those. It's nice to be recognised for what you're doing. It's not I'm just doing this as a hobby. <laughs> it's, it's a nice. Thing. I know it's quite controversial. It's not like they say not everybody deserves. It, but fuck it, I'm taking my, I'm taking my flowers. <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> yeah. And who, who did you get it from? Was it the Queen or was it Charlie? Or? It was supposed to be the Queen, but it was Charles. Yeah, he said, uh, are you still making music? I went, no, yeah. He goes, well, do drop off a copy. Uh, <laughs> I went, okay, and I did. And he and I got a letter back saying, Prince Charles, uh, thanks you for his copy. And he said, I'll listen to it as earliest convenience. I don't know if you've listened to it yet or not. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. Okay. Well, yeah, let's talk about the latest album because there were a couple of clips I saw on Instagram where you were there at Black Barn, the sign's up, Weller's Town, we get a glimpse into the studio and there's your brother there. Yeah, your brother is so talented, this turntable wizard known as Scratch Professor. My God, he's good at that, isn't he? He's prolific. Yeah, he's uh, he's been doing it a long time I mean he, he'll he'll write he'll make a beat and do a tune and then he'll remix that four or five times even before anybody's on it I mean he just remixed pretty much an album of Common's acapellas that you can get off of YouTube and he's put beats to them and they sound wicked you know so he, he's constantly coming up with the content and uh, yeah you know, I, I owe a lot of a lot of my content to, to him basically yeah. because he's just he's just tireless and what role basically. is he playing on the album down at Blackburn what are you working is he pushing you driving you forward is he a producer is he a musician a bit about yeah he's uh, well basically there's, a, there's about three or four tunes there's not as many as the last album but there's three or four tunes that I, I want to use for this one so I just had him come down and soak up the vibe because you know this we're still working on songs and 
it's a work in progress, but it's good that we're hanging out together. That was a beautiful black, black barn. Is that like you, you get to stay there as well? Um, that's and that's how I used to work back in the day. And when I did uh, music, I was at uh, studio in Farnham. Uh, not the real world, but yeah, it was, it was a residential studio. And there's nothing better than just like cutting off the, the outside world, and all you do is eat, sleep music you know what i mean get up and and you know your meals are taken care of for you and everything you don't have to worry about it you just get into that into that zone and you get on with it and black barn gave me that memory of that basically so if i can continue this evolution of my music that i have uh, i've been working on so far yeah and it's, so did uh, you have one of the famous ripley curry garden curries i did <laughs> <laughs> we we did in fact yeah because that well, it was kind of a, a nice reunion thing as well because i had the brass guys come down and the uh, there's the brass uh jerry Meehan, who plays bass for robbie williams we uh, me him and max all went to school together you know what i mean and so you know, like we had a couple of days and it was just a, you know, a big piss up and food and curries and stuff as well so it was really a nice little event um basically everything was centered around and of course you got to top it off with a carry <laughs> uh, it's nice so there's this one track with paul that he's involved in or no not? we've got we have three songs together as well. So, but there's there's one that's that's the standout track. So I'm just working out how how I put everything out there basically because I want to know why I need. I'm trying to work out a plan of action because I know I I know of a pressing plant where I can get uh, vinyls made because I know vinyls are getting quite big now. So I wouldn't mind doing some vinyl releases first before I come out with the album so people get a taste of what's coming. So and you know that's a big deal working with Weller. I've also been talking to Common Q-Tip. India, RE as well. They're all interested in, in getting on the album as well. So I just got to work out strategies and working out, you know, just uh, getting the things done and getting it out to the people. Because, yeah, I've been teasing them long enough. Everybody's like, when's the album not coming? <laughs> How much can you tell us about the songs with Paul? So can you tell us any titles? Can you tell us, talk about that collaborative process in terms of how you worked on them together? Okay, well, the, 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 the standout track is called On My Own. And what first kicked it off was... Paul sending me a voice note in playing piano and singing a song. And I was like, straight away, I knew the groove that I wanted and I gave him a reference for that and he loved that. And then I knew the drummer I wanted, which was Daru Jones. He played drums for Jack White, playing with Ferro Munch at the moment. But his style is perfect for that song. And then I was like, oh, I need horns. Absolutely need a horn section. So we got a five-piece horn section, which are all my mates from college and past benches as well. And it's just a, a back and forth, basically. And... That's basically what he's been. It's funny because he's, he's a late night worker. It's like, oh, you, you know, you'll always get a, a text at like half past midnight, one o'clock. So he's obviously up. That's his time when he's like, you know, mossy with, with, with ideas. But yeah, it's forever doing this. And, and I'm just one of the things that he's working on. You know what I mean? So I can't imagine what, you know, like what it is. I mean, he's got his big note board to show what he's doing from day to day. I mean, just to keep everything in check, but um, very easy to work with. And it, it's surprising that we haven't done this until now for as long as we've known each other. But he just popped into my mind a few years back. And a friend of mine said she wanted to go and see a concert. And then from then, you know, I contacted Max. Max contacted him and then he contacted me back. He said, yeah, come to the show. It was a big thing in the South Bank. And then from then, he said, we should just do something. Yeah, he goes, yeah, man, no problem. And then, you know, that's when we met at Black Barn and uh, nice. the rest, as they say, is history. Would that have been in the gigs with the orchestra yes yeah yeah at the royal festival hall yeah i was there i remember and i read something about the fact that one of your ambitions is to perform a full concert with an orchestra as well is that right oh absolutely i mean i don't know if you noticed the other stuff i've done on the insta i've just uh, recently got chris cameron who did the arrangements for last request uh, who chooses seasons to do arrangements for two songs on this this album as well and you can't 
I mean, I was crying. I was literally crying. When you hear the string section, there's something about the tone that vibrates with it. And it also takes me back to school as well. And when I used to play in the youth orchestra, I was a principal percussionist of the Kent Youth Orchestra. We used to do courses. We played at the Royal Festival every year as well. And it's something about being backstage and you hear those strings. You kind of like, you know, it's coming, you know, the course is coming to an end, but the sound of the the pieces, Brahms, Mahler, uh, Debussy, uh, Borjak, whoever. It's something that, you know, you can't replace. I mean, you can do a cheap version and maybe get a quartet to do it, play it over and over again. But if you get the whole section, then it like that. And this, I'm, I'm really gutted because I was supposed to do a thing for Trevor Nelson at Albert Hall two weeks ago, just before Christmas. And it would have been with a 60-piece. It would have been with the oh. BBC Concert Orchestra, which is a 60-piece orchestra. You know what I mean? I, I would have been, I don't know if I could have seen it, I'd just be crying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you saw, because Paul, Paul did the yeah. um, concert, the Barbican, didn't he, with um, just around the corner from your old stomping ground in terms of the, right. the, the college, right? That's it. Um, the, and that was with the full BBC Symphony Orchestra, wasn't it? So, yeah, we've got Amazing. to see we've got to see you in that. Uh, that's got to be a thing, my friend. It's going to happen. I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to manifest it. So, yeah. yeah, watch this place. Now, I have to talk a bit to you as well about the anthology. So this came at the beginning of 2020. I think we finally got vinyl of it. You mentioned vinyl and how long that takes. Yeah. We got vinyl tailing it last year, wasn't it? Um, but this is a Sold double, out. Yeah, it's sold it's out. Sold I was going to say, sold out instantly. But a double yeah. album best of. I mean, from all of your back catalogue, how the heck do you approach creating a, a, like a, a, an album? Hell, I have no idea. I mean, it's, I started with 50 songs and then I had to cut that down to 30-something to fit the CDs. And then when it was a, the vinyl, I had to cut it down. And again and you know I kind of put it out to the public help oh, tell me what you would want on it and they were like just make a triple album make a quadruple album I'm like yeah that's not an option <laughs> you know what I mean so I, I just had to I just had to be ruthless and go bam and then not even think about it because I saw people saying oh yeah I hope this one's on there I hope that's on there and I'm like well I'm not listen you know what I mean? it's, it's not on there so just deal with it I mean you can hear the tracks anyway but uh, you know the vinyl purist would want certain songs on there so it wasn't easy but yeah Fuck it, yeah. I had to be done. What was the reason for doing that? Was that like a like a pause and a kind of reflective moment because of lockdown, or I don't know, it came before that? <laughs> no, so no, it was, yeah. sim- no, simply because of uh, the vinyl turnaround. Right at the moment, is I mean, I heard the story was it's because Adele um, <laughs> bought out all, all the uh, uh, vinyl yeah. press implants and she had to print up a million uh, copies, and nobody had time. And it took like three, four months to get it done you know um, but the response has been amazing and it's funny you say that uh, yesterday I was I was walking down the street I'm in Brighton and uh, some guy was waving at me out of the car and I was going what I mean he goes you are my I went yeah you got quite a young guy like in his 20s yeah I just bought your vinyl it's amazing I'm like Oh, wow. Thank you. You know, yeah, it's really nice to, to be appreciated. Like I just wish they'd printed more copies. So now we're doing another run. I hope they've done the, the appropriate amount because it, it seems to be uh, selling really well. Okay. We'll have to keep an eye on that because yeah, I wasn't quick enough. They, I mean, they sold that like ridiculous. <laughs> um, we should also talk about live performance then. So we're finally back at it, 2022. And you were live last night in Canary Wharf, weren't you? At the boys, though. Yeah. yeah. I've got to give thanks to the boys, though, because that was a bit of my work that I could do during the lockdown because of that strange ruling about restaurants it was right to be in a restaurant but not a club yeah so you could do or, gigs or like Pizza Express or yeah that's right yeah, yeah exactly and you know I did um, stuff on the lives where I'm you know it's just me on the keyboard or backing tracks and that's what I did basically but this is a, a new venture that um, myself and Ranald the guy that owns the the, ven- the venue his suggestion actually that uh, I think we should do an Omar and Friends night and it was sold out last night so which was really good and it was a little bit worried because the last one 
I did. It, I was thinking, oh, it's going to be a bit weak. But then the you was it the what was the the last football thing we had? Was it Euros? Oh yeah, yeah, it was the Euros Championship. It was the Euros. Yeah. No, so it was the it was the semi-finals or something that happened to be on that same night. So it stuck them up on all the screens. So I was thinking, ah, oh, maybe that's why they came to the gig. But no, it got sold. It was sold. Uh, last night so I had nothing to worry about oh nice and then and are you picking the guest vocalists who are joining you yeah it was all like you know I know these I know these guys why not try and, and get them you know Vula was supposed to do the same thing that I was supposed to do with the orchestra but she- she got COVID. You know what I mean? So that was off. Like, Trevor Nelson got COVID as well. It was like, one of those weird ones. So you're just trying to get somebody that can do it at the right time and that they're available to make it work. But it was, you know, it was encouraging to see that we sold out. We'll keep doing it and build on it. Vula, you mentioned that Vula Malinga is one of the guest vocalists mm. last night. Also was um, the, one of the singers with Paul on the Barbican gig as well. So there's a right. lovely little Weller connection there as well. Connection. Yeah, right. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> um, and we've also got a... a I mean, hopefully your solo LP this year, fingers crossed you've been talking about, but there's another album that's coming out, which is you with the QCBA. So this yeah. was recorded at the Jazz Cafe last May. This is live at last. And there's going to be an album launch at a gig at the Jazz Cafe in March, I think. Tell me about your work with those guys. I first started working with Quentin Collins. He was playing keyboards for me about 20 years ago. And then 10 years ago, he'd asked me to do, they were like doing some tour of, Italy, which I was like, hell yeah, I'm, 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 I'm up for that. And then from there, we just kind of kept doing shows. I commissioned somebody to film us, like playing at my French studio. We put that up. It seems to get a lot of traction now because people seem to like those versions of my song they like the, the jazz version you know it's not for the jazz purists I must have you know I've done stuff with Courtney Pine as well when you do those gigs yeah. what's he singing for I, I want to hear singing I just want to hear the sax screaming for 20 minutes I <laughs> uh, mean that's you know you get those kind of jazz purists but it's always you know it's, it's fun to try try my stuff in in different ways and it also gives me a bit of a break because because it's jazz it really gets a solo and they get nice long solos I just have to sing the beginning sing the end and move on to the next tune you know what I mean? So, but yeah, that's coming out soon. You know more than I did. You're constantly being creative, constantly working on stuff, constantly moving forward, which seems to be a, a link that you have in common with Mr. Weller. I mean, you're constantly looking forward, less so, but yeah, looking back, which was what you know, I, I asked about the question about the anthology. Yeah, uh, it's about evolution. Yeah, I still get that that fire in my belly. I get excited about making music. I get excited about performing it as well I'm not no, I never tire of it as well and he's uh, you know like I said I give thanks every day that I can get to create these things I started at a time when you know it wasn't easy for soul musicians and things I've created a, a fantastic catalogue I've worked with fantastic musicians as well and I've got a lot to be thankful for you know what I mean as long as I've got breath in my body and I'm able to do it that's what I'm going to be doing you know what I mean <laughs> make no mistake yeah 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 well this has been so lovely I should ask you about the two other tracks that you said that you were creating with Paul how much can you tell us about those two those tracks, yeah, there's one is a definite, I mean, they're, they're all fantastic tunes. There's another one, it's uh, it's got hit written all over it. My brother's girlfriend, Charlene Hamilton, singing on it. Horn arrangements, upbeat, you'll like it. That's all I can say. <laughs> as much as I can give away. <laughs> well, this is the, the ultimate tease, I have to say, but it's been... Uh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> as much as I can give you. When you think back to those moments, because you did post on on um, on your Instagram, you said, let me find the actual quote here. So hold on. It's um, February 2021, you post on Instagram, you said, 31 years ago, this dude gave me a chance playing percussion and singing with his band in Japan and the UK. And it was you and Mr. Weller, both of the two yeah. together. Yeah, when you look back at that, I mean, that seems like such a ridiculous length of time, doesn't it? <laughs> to, to Pass by, by in an instant, oh. yeah. As a whole grown adult ago, yeah. It, it does. It just feels like, you know, it's gone like that and it's been such a long time. And it's just, I was saying to him the other day, he's like the most 
humblest superstar that I know. Do you know what I mean? You would just never know that this guy is as huge as he is. But when you're hanging out, he's just like a mate. He likes it. He loves a laugh and a smoke. And you know what I mean? That kind of stuff is just, uh, it's precious. And uh, I don't think he's going to lose that. I, so I just feel honoured, basically. And I, and I owe a lot to him for, you know, where I am now. Because he's part. he's been part of my journey and a, and a proper, you know, a real part of it as well. So both of you started at such a ridiculously young age to me. I can't. I mean, I've got my my eldest is seven years old. So to think in ten years' time he'd be going off to Japan and to that would terrify me. <laughs> no, you're not going anywhere. What are you on about? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the kind of thing. You know, I saw a, a press piece of me when I was 16 and <laughs> say that this is the, the new prodigy and I was thinking shit I totally forgot about that I mean I remember them asking me if I wanted a record deal at 16 and I said no because I wanted to carry on with my education just in case it didn't work out for me I have no idea why I was there. I should have taken the money <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know that's just how, I mean that's how it's worked out I wouldn't I would change any part of my life for anything, you know, because it's all been part of the journey. It all makes me what I am now and it all helps with what's to come as well. That was one of the things I wanted to talk to you about actually as well. I'm thinking about it. So something I'd like to talk to Paul about. How much are you aware of that legacy, that influence that you have on others from your music? I've been told this and yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, yeah, I can hear it and some people go, oh, this sounds like an Omar thing. I'm going, okay, yeah, I can, I can get it. And, you know, I get a lot of love in the States as well, you know, from big artists. I mean, you know, Stevie, you can't really get much bigger than that. I can see it. I'm humbled by it. You know, it's, it's nice to know that people know that I exist. Put it that way. I, you know, I'm not there for the glory or anything. I'm just here having a good time and I hope everybody latches onto the good vibe. And it must be nice also to still be being recognised for that as well. So you mentioned Boysdale, you won Singer Songwriter of the Year last year. It was up yeah, at Jazz yeah. FM, one of my old stomping grounds. I used to work for Bauer Radio. Got a nomination there as well. So to still be getting recognised from the for the work it must be important too. Mm-hmm. Oh absolutely. I mean it's that's not I mean it's not the it's not the main reason, you know, but to get those little accolades is great. And to get it from the from the youngers as well. You know, like I said, this guy in his twenties listening to stuff. I've had kids in 15, 14 they've been listening Listen to the music as well and like incessantly so to cross the generations like that is, is fantastic it means I'm still current and i still got something to prove still relevant exactly that's what you want that's it? it yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. right two final questions before you go Omar this has been so lovely um, you're allowed one no Paul Weller song for the rest of your life <laughs> it can be the jam the style council or solo what's it going to be I say Eaton Rifles oh jam. okay why that yeah, one? That, that's the first one that just came in. That's the one in it. It's the, the rhythm of the track because it's like it's syncopated, it's offbeat. And the other thing is, well, it's fucking amazing about them. It's three of them. Yeah. Three of them making all that noise. Yeah, <laughs> Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. The only other band I could sort of equate to that would be the police. You know what I mean, and they were incidentally a band that, that was my first album that I bought was Regatta de Blanc. So that kind of sound, that kind of punky funky type thing is uh yeah something so there you go i'm just thinking presumably you must have had a little preview of fat pot before it came out because you were at the barn when it was being made when you or it was being when it was being finished off he played me a couple pieces definitely yeah yeah no he did play me a couple pieces and i wrote back to him and said i love so just like, fantastic i mean how many albums he done yeah. how many years has he been going you know what i mean that's the kind of makes minds pale into insignificance. So, yeah, you're very, uh, yeah. you're very slow and a procrastinator yeah, in comparison. Exactly, right? exactly, <laughs> exactly, exactly. I need to get my skates on. Right, final question. Um, so the purpose of this podcast is not least to meet amazingly talented, <laughs> lovely people like yourself with connection support, but it's also for me to get the interview with Paul Weller that I never managed during my radio career. If it happens, <laughs> what should I ask him? What should you ask him? Oh, no, there's no way I'm going to give you that. That's all <laughs> you, man. 
that is all you. I mean, if you waited all this time to ask him something, then you really got to think about that yourself. <laughs> I, you know should, I, mean? I should have a question. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, you, 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 it sounds like you really do your research. So you know the history, you know, all the players, you know, all the characters in his life. You know, all the songs, you know, you know, all the phases that he's been through and everything. So you now nah, you know more than I do. So you answer that yourself. <laughs> I, t- I tell you what I'm gonna ask you. I'm gonna I'm gonna say, what was the bit of advice that you gave Omar? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you could try that. You could try it, mate. <laughs> but you know, he's quite tight lipped, so I don't think he's gonna come out. Come oh, out with it. <laughs> oh damn it. This has been nice so lovely. One. Um good luck with the new album, the Thank live you. album, good luck with the new solo album, good luck with the live gigs. Fingers crossed. That's, yeah, I think yeah. we're coming to the end of the madness thank you so much for your time Omar and all the very best alright Dan thanks a lot no problem take care well there you go my thanks once again to Omar for joining me on the latest episode of the podcast I cannot wait to hear that new material either if you've enjoyed this episode of the podcast please do share on your social media channels it all helps to spread the word you can get in touch on Twitter at WellerFanPod or on Instagram and Facebook Paul Weller Fan Podcast. Now, if you head to my website, not only can you find loads of details about Omar and more about our chat there, but you can also find out more about our upcoming live show and buy tickets on my website. Gary Crowley, Steve Tufty Carver, Talking the Jam, The Star Council, Paul Weller Solo, and much, much more. Get on there. PaulWellerFanPodcast.com is the website. And whilst you're there, you can buy me a virtual coffee if you like as well. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.